Here we are, Locked On NFL, alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. This Monday episode, we're breaking down those Sunday NFL games, a lot of action, some playoff implications. And Matt, I think, I mean, there was the upset in London, overtime in Pittsburgh, but the game with the most playoff implications, Green Bay at Dallas Cowboys. And Green Bay did come away with the win, but the Cowboys did make it interesting, 34-24 the final. Yeah, and that just ended. You pull back the curtain. Um, it looked like a blowout. I mean, just crushing them at the half. Everything Green Bay did was working. Everything Dallas did was not. But to their credit, I mean, they did not fold up and go in a shell. Um, I do think these are pretty equal teams, although I think you can look at Dallas's first two games and said, you know, maybe we were a little higher on them than we should have been. This is often the case around the league, too, you know, that – if you played five, you know, a couple of games against five or six of the really bad teams, you get a little bit of an inflated sense of what they are. But I think these are two quality teams. Huge win to go down to Dallas and get the win, though. The Jair Alexander versus Amari Cooper matchup was a good one coming in. Yeah. Alexander got the early pick. His team got the W, but Amari Cooper... A career-high 226 receiving yards. Not all those on Alexander. At times, Alexander just stayed on the left side. Sometimes he traveled with Amari Cooper to the other side. And so I wasn't really sure what Green Bay was trying to do there, if they were trying to really have him match up against Cooper just when they liked the matchup. Uh, But Cooper came out ahead as far as the statistics go in that comeback attempt. 226 yards, but the bad uh, drop that went off his hands to Jair Alexander early in the game was part of why Dallas was in such a big hole. Yeah, and I actually just wrote something about Alexander, kind of just featuring him as um, the next great corner in this league. And I know Cooper had a great stat line, and everyone saw, you know, on a total island, Cooper with the big play that got Dallas big back into it for a long touchdown. But when I was watching Alexander, for the most part, I thought he was outstanding. And I think a lot of Cooper's you know yards, again, this is TV copy and trying to watch two games at once, didn't come against Alexander except for that huge play. Um, but that is a good battle. And, you know, keeping a, a great receiver, and I do think Cooper's a great receiver, down for an entire day in today's NFL is nearly impossible. And, and a lot of press man coverage, too. It's really difficult to do. We'll talk about another corner versus wide receiver matchup later. Uh, that is another pretty good one where uh, Marshawn Lattimore has had the ability oh, to yeah. shut a couple of guys down now in back-to-back weeks. But looking at the playoff picture here after this game, uh, Dallas Cowboys now tied with the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get to the Eagles, too, at 3-2. and two. Uh, That means Green Bay sitting nicely atop the NFC North at 4-1. and one. The next closest team to him is the Detroit Lions that are off at 2-1-1. One and one. Yeah, and Dallas has... Two of their next three games are easy ones, and they also have the Eagles in that stint too. So that could go a long way of what happens in the NFC East. But, boy, the the Packers are in good shape. They're in great shape. And we had talked about what that NFC picture looks like after the Thursday night game with the Rams and uh, the Seahawks. And then the 49ers are still the only unbeaten there in the NFC. And we'll see how they look on Monday night. And that NFC playoff picture, clear as mud right now. (laughs) <laughs> right, the AFC is just not very good. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of games that are interesting here to me. One was a huge upset, and that was the Raiders beating the Bears in London. So a home game for the Raiders, but they didn't have a home field advantage. Raiders now 3-2, and two, the same record as those Chicago Bears. 24-21 the final. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of the three Raiders wins coming, to be very honest with you. And 
it makes me think this whole Gruden car thing might kind of work out and that he's a pretty darn good coach. And maybe we shouldn't just laugh at the Raiders and say, ah, ha, ha, they trade away Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack and signed Antonio Brown and perfect. And uh, they signed Gruden to a 10 year deal. Then nobody knows there. Nobody there knows what they're doing. Uh, I don't think that's the case at all. And especially early in this game, I thought Oakland really won the battle at the line of scrimmage for uh, and on both sides of the ball. Um, the Bears roared back and made this thing really interesting. I thought Allen Robinson was great. Uh, a fair amount of Montgomery in there, but they lost to Keem Hicks early in this game. But weird things happen over across the pond, and the, the Raiders keep squeaking out some wins. And the Raiders at 3-2, and two, there was a stat that was, I think, the last nine teams to win in London made the playoffs that year. Oh boy. So we'll test that one here with the Oakland Raiders. I'm not sure how I'm going out on that in limb, London. Uh, a late interception <laughs> by Chase Daniel that sealed the win for the Raiders. And I think an interesting line here is the Josh Jacobs, 123 yards rushing. He had a couple yes. of touchdowns, and he was one of those first round draft picks that the Raiders used after trading away Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack didn't have a huge impact in this game. No, and. Maybe I was a little too rough on the Raiders after, what, four games or months of the season that they didn't use their rookie running back enough. I mean, he's a rookie running back. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, yeah, how much do you expect out of him if he just doesn't light it up right off the bat? That doesn't mean he's not uh, being used properly or a success. Um, but he's really good. I mean, I, I think he is a key, key component to what's going on here with these wins. And if you're the Bears, this is a little bit concerning, falling to 3-2 and two on the season, but losing to a Raiders team where you knew the guy you had to stop was a rookie running back in Josh Jacobs, and they couldn't really do it. The Raiders were without Tyrell Williams in this one, so they were running some no-name wide receivers out there, and they still got the job done. So an interesting game there, and a really big win for the Raiders, who I think you have to at least take somewhat serious at 3-2 and two now, beating a team like the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and we just mentioned the AFC is a disaster um, you know, the Chargers and Broncos don't look all that great, that's for sure. I mean, are we talking about a potential playoff team with the Raiders? I, I mean, you have to consider it at this point where they're at. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, um, that's an interesting one. I think that's a to-be-continued with the with the Oakland Raiders. Still very interesting team there, and we'll see if they can overcome some of these road games. They don't get back home to Oakland until, I think, November. Uh, real quick, a, a game I want to run through fast because we've got to take a break, but... The Arizona Cardinals getting their first win of the season and Cliff Kingsbury getting his first win as an NFL head coach. They improved to 1-3-1 and one on the season. A late field goal from Zane Gonzalez gave the Cardinals the win over the 0-5 now Cincinnati Bengals, one of two teams that were the first ones to get to five losses on the season. Not a huge win beating the Bengals if you're the Cardinals, but it was a good game because two bad teams get together and yeah, it was a close one. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people paid a ton of attention to it, but I really think the Bengals are an awful team. And, you know, this has more draft implications than playoff implications, obviously. Um, and from what I saw of it, I got to admit, it, it was not a narrow victory for the Cardinals. And I understand the Bengals came back and scored points late, but they were the better team pretty much the entire time from what I saw. Kyler Murray getting involved on the ground in this one, 93 yards on 10 rushes, and he did have a nice little tough touchdown there. Some nifty running. He's he's an interesting player to watch because quarterbacks are so big in the NFL, and they have been for a very long time. And you see this little guy running around with his short little legs, and it's like you don't see that very often. I, I bet it's weird for defenses, too, to face a quarterback with, with like low-to-the-ground 
quicks like Kyler Murray has as a runner. I would think so. I mean, if you've never seen him, I bet it's crazy. All right, more games to get to here on the Sunday Slate after this. Hey, most of you guys have tried different ways to last longer, but saying the Pledge of Allegiance in your head or counting backwards from 10 doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. So, Roman, Roman Swipes are a clinically proven way to last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, and fast-acting, but don't require a prescription. That's awesome. Roman can ship swipes to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. Swipes are great, and they will not transfer to your partner, so you can last longer without worrying. They're super easy to use. Just take swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you are good to go. So, here's what you do. Get 10 bucks off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's all one word. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL for 10 bucks off and free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Matt, you nailed this one with put some money on the under with the Bills and Titans. 21 combined points between the two teams. We knew it would be a defensive battle. It was a little bit wet there as well in Tennessee. 14-7 to Bills. Improved to 4-1. and Titans fall to 2-3. and Yeah, I mean, you go to Tennessee and get a win. I think that's a, a, a really feather in the cap with, uh, you know, considering where the Buffalo Bills have been the last couple of years. Excellent defense. I mean, I think they're in the conversation as the league's best defense. Tremaine Edwards is really starting to play like a stud linebacker, do-it-all guy. They're good at every level. Um, I think Tennessee's also really good on that side of the ball, too. I mean, a low-scoring game, I think, occurs 98 out of 100 times if these two do battle. Mm -hmm. And a huge win for the Bills. I mean, we talked about, you know, the Raiders. Are they they really a team in the, uh, you know, in in the playoff hunt? And the Buffalo Bills are, you know, a favorite, I would think, to get in the postseason by now. The Bills right now currently have the third best record in the AFC. It is the unbeaten Patriots and Chiefs. And then the Bills at 4-1, and one, every other team has at least two losses in the AFC. And uh, the Raiders would be in the playoffs, if I'm looking at this correctly, if the, <laughs> if the season insane, ended right. today. So, uh, and always, I always hate the if the season ended today thing, because right. obviously it does it not. Is. But it's Early interesting. October, and the Bills yeah. doing some things. <laughs> They've only lost to those New England Patriots. Yeah. I mean, Buffalo... Is a really well-coached team, really hard to play against, mostly because of their defense. But, you know, I mean, they're they're legit. I mean, again, I, I give them credit. And Josh Allen able to play in this one. And he did have a couple of touchdown passes there to give the Bills their 14 points. So good news that Allen, you know, wasn't going to be a long-term injury. And he was able to get back and play well enough to pull out a W for the Bills. Yeah, right. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't expect him to play, to be honest with you. I didn't think he was going to either. Let's move on to the Buccaneers at Saints. And the Buccaneers uh, looked like they were going to get kind of blown out sort of at the end of the first half. They came back. They stuck in that game. And they were able to stop the run for the most part. Only 62 yards on the ground for Alvin Kamara. And I talked about how the key to this game was Teddy Bridgewater being able to put some points on the board. Maybe even get the ball down the field a little bit. Make some big plays with his arm. Because that's the way they were going to have to beat the Bucks and it wasn't a ton of huge like air yards throws, but 
Four touchdown passes for Teddy Bridgewater, now 3-0 and as the starter for the Saints as uh, New Orleans wins 31-24. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it earlier about the Lattimore situation, and, and yes. I'm trying to find out if there's more information, but I have Mike Evans on my fantasy team, and nothing ever changed from the start of the game to the end. <laughs> and uh, I knew Lattimore was going to follow him around. They've had some great battles twice a year since you know Lattimore's entered the league. This is the second straight week that he's playing great. Michael Thomas stood out to me. I mean, it's funny. My my 13-year-old son sits there and watches games with me and is real into it. And he asked me today, he's like, who's the best receiver in the NFL right now? I'm like, hmm, you know, Hopkins and A.B. and Julio and Odell. Those have been my choices to start the, you know, before the season started. And I'm not sure that any of them has a real strong case at this point. I mean, is it Michael Thomas? I mean, it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. He is physical. He is reliable. Um, really impressive. And you mentioned Bridgewater. Now he's undefeated. And I think his fantasy line might be better than his true, you know, performance in yep. this game. But he made some throws. You know, I mean, that's all you can ask of him. And this defense is pretty good. Yeah, and his guys made some runs after the catch. Michael Thomas had a nice one where he just plowed through a couple guys into the end zone for one of his two touchdowns. Thomas did end with 11 catches on a, for 182 yards and those two scores. And since Mike Evans was taken out of that game, it was all Chris Godwin on the other side who had 100 yards of his own, seven catches for 125 and a pair of touchdowns. So if you had those guys in your lineup, uh, fantasy-wise, you were looking good. And there were some massive fantasy football lines around the league. We didn't even talk about all the touchdowns from Aaron Jones in that Packers game. Yeah, Four right. touchdowns, uh, 19 carries. Yeah, four of those were for scores, 107 yards on the ground. And the the big one that, that was like, wow, okay, it was um, that Houston Texans game. And you called it. You said, hey, start Will Fuller. DeAndre Hopkins, I know you're going to start anyway. And it was nice Mm -hmm. to see Deshaun Watson, who's on a lot of my teams, throw for 426 yards, five touchdown passes. Will Fuller went crazy, 217 yards in the air on 14 catches and three touchdowns as the Texans put 53 points up on the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, 37 in the second half from Houston. I mean, wow. And we mentioned that Titans-Bills game that – that's going to be a low-scoring, grinded-out game, 98 out of 100. I think this is the opposite. I mean, if these two teams played 100 times, we might not see 53 that often, but I bet you see 70 points in the game more often than not. I really worry about the Falcons in general or overall, but they're specifically their defense. They have holes everywhere right now. They're not playing very well. I think this is kind of a statement game by the Texans, though, too. We keep talking about you know who's legit in the AFC Houston's offense could be a game changer for them. I mean, kind of like the Bills' defense. Right, yeah, they're in good position right now. Will Fuller's 53.7 PPR points for fantasy leagues against the Falcons is the ninth best fantasy performance for wide receiver all time. So that's the kind of numbers he put up there with 14 catches, 217, and three scores. Fuller, uh, let's see, he... So Fuller has 14 receiving touchdowns in 16 games that he's played with Deshaun Watson at quarterback and he has two touchdowns in the other 20 games he's played without Watson at quarterback in his career so that's uh, quite a a tandem there Watson to Fuller hitting him deep and one more stat to note here in this game for the Texans Deshaun Watson's perfect passer rating 158.3 in this game Uh, he had as many touchdowns five as he did incompletions in that game Wow, impressive and you mentioned the Fuller stats with Watson 
it's kind of well known too that the Watson stats with Fuller are also much different than without. And they have some yes. serious weaponry on the scene. Yeah, and even when Fuller's out, now you have Kenny Stills helping out there in that same role, and we saw that earlier in the season as well. And then you have, obviously, one of the best chain movers in the league on the other side, and DeAndre Hopkins, which is why I targeted Deshaun Watson in all of my fantasy leagues, and now it's starting to pay off a little bit for me. Yeah, and I think this is a lethal, lethal group. And the and the line's a little bit better than it was, too. Overtime in Pittsburgh, Ravens and Steelers. The Ravens were able to win that one with the field goal in overtime, 26-23. An interesting one here was the decision by Pittsburgh to defend when they won the toss in overtime, which you don't see very often. Yeah, and immediately I'm like, what on earth are you doing? (laughs) And I thought about it for a while, and I'm not sure it was the right call or one that I would, you know, went to, but that's not why they lost this game in overtime. But I think the logic was, hey, the Steelers' defense is much better than the Steelers' offense, especially with your third-string quarterback out there. We'll get to that here in a minute, I'm sure. So all I need from you guys is don't allow a touchdown. And they didn't. You know, they they had a really good performance in the first series. And this is a minor factor, but... Kicking one direction at Heinz Field is much easier than the other, so the Steelers did take the side of the field they wanted. And I'm not defending them for this decision, but that's not why they lost at all. Um, An odd one, but you've seen it here and there. Belichick's done it once or twice, I think. And, you know, then you give your – I mean, the the thought process is I'm going to put my best unit out there, hopefully give my worst unit decent field position to maybe get in field goal range because every yard is – a journey, you know, right now for the Steelers. And it's been like that even when Roethlisberger was out there. The whole year has been like that, and life without Antonio Brown has been like that. But what I took away from this game more than anything was the Ravens' defense is really bad. I mean, it's been really tortured since the Miami game week one. I mean, everyone they've played, they're allowing 500 yards a game. You know, I mean, little resistance, not much pass rush. I think they're often – I mean, it's, it's crazy to say this about the Ravens, but, like, they're an offensive juggernaut that can't stop anyone. They're like the 80s Chargers. <laughs> it's strange. It's very strange. <laughs> and obviously there's a little cloud over the game seeing Mason Rudolph get completely knocked out on the field. That was a scary Bad. moment for a bit, and he was able to get walked off the field and helped off, which was a good scene. And, you know, he was coherent and everything, but he was not moving for a while. And there's some some concerned teammates, too, which is one of the things you look at and it gets makes the situation look a little bit more scary. But I think for a lot of people listening to this show – can you help us out here? What exactly is a Devlin Hodges? Yeah. <laughs> well, he was decent in the preseason. There were people here that were excited about him. There was, I think that's a slight factor why they traded Josh Dobbs, because they kind of wanted to keep this guy around. Smaller, doesn't throw the ball super well. Remarkably confident. I'm not exactly sure why, but has a lot of faith in himself. and will take chances, um, smaller, underwhelming, but really move the football well, you know, during the preseason. I mean, he's, I guess a good way to put look, look at him is he's like Michelob Ultra watered down. Uh, uh, <laughs> grab a Michelob Ultra, throw a bunch of water in it, and he's that version of Doug Flutie. Okay, no, I like that, and I like the way that I had never seen any of Devlin Hodges in my life, I got to admit, so I like the way the ball came out of his hands. He immediately let him down the field, and they scored, 
He was 7 of 9 for 68 yards. A nice quarterback rating. And I bet, I bet, and I haven't looked on your timeline, there's somebody out there that's saying, hey, this head, this Hodges guy's better than Rudolph, right? Someone had to I'm tell you sure. that. Uh, I, I haven't tweeted much during the games, but I'm sure we'll be getting calls all week about that. He was definitely a favorite in the preseason of Steeler Nation. And a little side sword is kind of funny about him is he is a champion duck caller. You know, like turkey calls and hunting what? and whatever. You know, you take the, the wood and you make the noise, <laughs> burp, 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 and you attract ducks. Well, he won bunches of contests about it. So everyone here was calling him Duck Dynasty from the in the preseason. How, how do you grade something like that? I don't know how you win. That's a really good – maybe whoever gets the most ducks to show up in an hour or something. I don't oh, know. Okay. It seems like that's kind of random. Yeah, I would love to see how that works. Or they just like, yeah, that sounded cool, man. I like that. It's like uh, – uh, that's a very interesting contest. I would like to know more about that. Uh, when it comes to the Baltimore you Ravens. You know what? Maybe nowadays you could, I mean, this is right up your alley. You're the the audio wizard. You record a bunch of ducks. You record Hodges doing his duck calls, and you'd say, oh, you're 98% duck. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I could play. I, I could play all the audio for real ducks, and then his duck call, and you have to guess which one is his duck call. Right, right. I like that. Okay, <laughs> uh, the Ravens in the driver's seat right now in that division at three and two. They could be joined yeah. potentially on Monday night by the two and two Browns, but it's looking like uh, the Steelers had a chance to try to you know work themselves in there to that conversation and everyone end up being two and three after this week. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. I don't know how you feel about the Steelers uh, finishing this season, but obviously down two quarterbacks now and uh concussion protocol for, for uh, Rudolph. I don't think it doesn't look good for his status playing at least next week. Yeah. They next week they go to the chargers and it's a buy. So I'm not a doctor. Maybe everyone will come out better tomorrow, but you would think he would sit that one, go to the bye, come out fresh, you know, most likely. I mean, it was a very scary injury. A um, couple of little notes here. I'm not being critical of the Ravens. They got a big win. I don't know that if I was a Ravens fan watching this, though, that I'm more confident that my team's a contender than I was a week or two ago either. I mean, I, I don't know that they're you – know, we're talking – we're searching for AFC teams that are legit. I'm not sure Baltimore's one of them. And last note is, and this is not an excuse at all because it went both ways, but officials just had too much to do with this game. I mean, it was hard to watch oh, for a the, while. And the, it's making me crazy, too. Yeah, the Packers and Dallas Cowboys game was awful. Like, stop, just stop yep. throwing, take their flags away. Like, this can't continue to happen. This is insane. They're impacting the game too much. The game is stopping. The game's not flowing. They're phantom calls that don't make any sense. That something's got to be done. Like there's multiple games like that where it's, it becomes almost unwatchable in, in the product on the field, and uh, the the team it hurts the the chance for the teams to decide it themselves because so much is going on and so much is being decided by these flags being thrown. Yeah, I mean, early in this game, it was like every other play. It was like, oh my lord. All right, we will come back. We've got a more a bunch more of these games to get to here. We'll hit them rapid fire in segment number three. This podcast is brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. Vikings at Giants. It's the first loss in Daniel Jones' career as a starting quarterback. And the Vikings, they needed to beat a team that they were better than, and they did. And I think some good feelings and maybe some... 
you know, Stephon Diggs and Kirk Cousins throwing a couple touchdowns, being efficient, 22 of 27 for 306 yards. Maybe the Vikings sort of fixed some things in that locker room with their 28 to 10 win Sunday. Yeah, and I am optimistic big picture in the rest of the year to watch Jones, Ingram, Tate, Shepard, Barkley. You know, I mean, like, that's all right. I mean, that's not so bad. They lost Gallman in this game, by the way. Um, but this was more about the Vikings, and we've been talking about this a lot lately, is if the Vikes can run, they, they're going to win a high, high percentage of their games, and they were able to run quite a bit. I mean, Dalvin Cook put up a ton of total yards. Madison chipped in with valuable usage as well. And then I wrote a little blurb about this too, that something we saw more of now that just screams Kubiak is there's a lot of play-action rollouts, and they really froze the, the Giants' linebackers. And not that Cousins is a great athlete, but it made his life a little easier. Mm-hmm. Half-field re- half reads off of play-action, often to Thielen, and it was a nice formula. I mean, it was some good coaching, real Cousins back in, get him a little more comfortable for going forward. And we got to mention Adam Thielen with his seven catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Let's move on to the Jets and Eagles. The Eagles won this one very easily, running away 31-6. to Any takeaways for you here? Eagles had to have this one, obviously, and you got to beat a bad team like the Jets, and they did soundly. They did soundly, and they're getting over some injuries and uh, a couple of defensive scores here. Not much to take away. There's two or three blowouts here that, I didn't pay a ton of attention to just because I'm watching the rest of things as well. Um, but, you know, this team's still very much in it. The Jets need to get Darnold back. Hopefully that's next week. We still get Jets and Dolphins this season twice. We still get Jets and at Washington and at Bengals. So that's the Jets schedule. There's a lot of draft picks to be determined there. And uh, week 16, Bengals at Miami Dolphins, which could be a b- big one. So as the season gets yeah. on later in the year, we're going to have to start uh, focusing on some of these games as it pertains to the draft. Yeah, I mean, Cardinals, Bengals might have something to do with it too that we just saw. Let's move on to the Patriots and Washington Redskins. Another blowout win, 33-7 Pats just rolled to 5-0 and on the season. And Washington 0 and 5 and just a crazy ridiculously easy schedule for the Patriots as well the only really difficult contest they've had was that Buffalo Bills team and uh, I just there's not much to take away when you're just outmatched as much as they are and Washington's a train wreck I I don't know what else to add to be very honest with you I mean is Gruden what what's the over under on right. days left till be the Redskins head coach? Yeah, you know I think that's I mean? a, the Gruden watch is officially on there, and Dan Snyder that might be and tomorrow or tonight, you yeah, know, right. Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder apparently left faster than they've ever left any Washington Redskins game. So who knows? It might be when we wake up tomorrow morning. Yeah, and uh, this was a very predictable finish. I, I still would like to see the Patriots against a really good team, but hey, you can only destroy the people on your schedule that they give you. Speaking of fantasy football statistics, how about Christian McCaffrey today? We haven't talked oh. about the Carolina Panthers winning. Another team that's 3-0 and after losing their starting quarterback, Cam Newton. Panthers now 3-0, 34-27 win at home over the Jaguars. They improved to 3-2, and and Christian McCaffrey, 176 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Another touchdown receiving, 61 receiving yards on six receptions he went off and they're just running the entire offense through this thing we talked about it last week during the mailbag segment that Chris McCaffrey absolutely belongs in the MVP conversation right now yeah he absolutely does and these two young quarterbacks aren't bad football players either I mean they're gonna have long careers as starters or not 
Fournette did his part. I mean, and I thought these two defenses would hold up a little better than they did. But back to that MVP conversation, I think we mentioned last week, like if you were to, if we were to have a fantasy draft right now, Christian McCaffrey has to be the first pick, right? I mean, it's unbelievable yes. what he's doing. Yep. Absolutely. He would get picked first and maybe it would have looked a little bit different if Saquon didn't get hurt. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. McCaffrey won. And you know, all the guys at the top have looked the part, which is good. I think for fantasy people, injuries always suck, but you know, there's nothing you can do about that. Nobody's completely laid an egg like that. Uh, Gardner Minshew, he looked good out there, continues to do his thing, super accurate, super calm in the pocket. He almost had some more magic at the end of that game, but uh, I think maybe tried a little too hard to escape pressure, got the ball knocked away, and the fumble pretty much ended that game. And that connection between Minshew and DJ Shark is is getting out of control. Eight catches for 164 yards and two touchdowns for DJ Shark in this one. Yeah, and when he came out of LSU, I thought he was like a Devery Henderson who came out of LSU. You know, super fast, straight line, run outside the numbers, go route, go route, post, go route, and that's about it. Yeah, and, very raw. You know, I don't want to compare him to a potential Hall of Famer type guy, but he's a little more A.J. Green than I thought. You know what I mean? Like, he's more fluid, coming out of his breaks, out routes. He's a very good player, and I think he will be for a long time. And, you know, that he's he may be a number one receiver. Last one here on the docket, it was Broncos at Chargers, and the Denver Broncos come away. And another coach gets his first ever win as an NFL head coach in Vic Fangio's. The Broncos win 20-13 to on the road at the Chargers. And uh, 14 of those points coming in the first quarter for the Broncos. They're 1-4 and four now. Chargers in a rough spot at 2-3 and three behind the Raiders now in the AFC West. Yeah, there's a couple teams, and the Colts are playing as we record this. The Chargers, the Steelers, the Colts, that I think a lot of us thought were AFC contenders or Tier 2 teams. And the season is not going that way. And some of them are losing Luck and Ben. And, you know, the Chargers have been killed by injuries too. But, man, I mean, sometimes it's just not your year. (laughs) And I thought Denver was going to be one of those teams that was selling everything left and right. A good win for them. They took control early. I think that's a key for them too. They're not the type of team that can play from behind. Austin Eckler caught like 14 or 15 passes in this game. Um so the Chargers are swimming upstream. Broncos get a much-needed win, but I don't think they're really going anywhere. Yeah, 15 catches for Eckler, only 86 yards on those 15 catches. So they were dink and dunking there. Melvin Gordon getting back into action, 12 carries for just 31 yards. So that Denver Broncos defense really smothering the Chargers there. They averaged 2.2 yards as a team on the ground, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers did. So a uh, big ups there, and then... On the other side, the Broncos were able to run the ball, so it was quite the opposite there. They were averaging six yards a pop, uh, 7.6 yards per carry for Phillip Lindsay, who had 114 yards on 15 carries. Yeah, he looks good, too. And I think Sutton and Lindsay are high-quality dudes. They have their warts, but they're, you know, they're, they're coming along well. They're both young. Fant is a young player, I think, that has a lot of promise. I still like Freeman, but probably more as a two. The weapons in Denver might be the strength of the team right now. Yeah, and at least they have a bright future. There were some young players. Sutton had the 70-yard touchdown. They've got some young skill guys. And, you know, if they get the quarterback thing ever figured out, and I don't know if Vic Fangio is going to be the long-term answer there as a as a coach, but I think he's the type of guy that needs some time to really install his culture and, and his style of team mm-hmm. there. 
in Denver, and we'll see where that team goes. But it's it's definitely they're not in the worst spot as far as talent goes, and they have some good young pieces to build around. It's just they got to get that quarterback thing figured out. Yeah, and my hunch is, and I kind of hope for better or worse, we see Drew Locke whenever he, you know, for maybe the last two games of the year or month of the year or whatever, at least to get a taste. Um, to maybe, but maybe their quarterback is at Oregon right now or Bama or you know what I mean. Just real quick, and we're pretty much out of time. Would you, if you were in charge of the Denver Broncos, would you try to sell off people like uh, Emmanuel Sanders and uh, maybe even yeah. uh, Sanders else? for sure? Yeah. If I'd have to get the right offer for Chris Harris, yeah, Chris probably. Harris, yeah, that yeah. that would make sense because he's on a one year contract right now. Right, right, and a lot of teams could use him. I mean, think the Eagles or Chiefs or. You know, we mentioned your Niners last week. Mm -hmm. A lot of teams could use a good corner. Absolutely. Okay, that's it for the Sunday afternoon games. We'll be back tomorrow breaking down the primetime action. Colts at Chiefs Sunday night and the Browns at 49ers on Monday night football. For Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. Talk to you guys then right here, Locked on NFL.